هم بإحسان لنا يوم الدين أما بعد فعن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لو يعطى الناس بدعواهم لدعى رجال أموال قوم ودماءهم ولكن البينة على المدعي واليمين على من أنكره حديث حسن رواه البيهقي وغيره هكذا وبعضه في الصحيحين Alhamdulillah, respected brothers and sisters and honorable listeners, we're continuing with the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. And we've reached hadith number 33. Inshallah, we're close to completing this very blessed compilation. And as we mentioned previously, these ahadith that are compiled uh, in this, you know, 40, uh, this collection of 40 hadith, they focus upon those absolute essentials those necessary matters in the deen that every Muslim should be aware of and every Muslim should know about. And a very uh, essential thing that we should all take into consideration is that the deen in and of itself, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and Allah, what Allah has blessed us with Islam, you know, maybe at a young age, you don't realize it, but the, but the older you get and the more you uh, become experienced and advanced in age, you realize with your experience that there has to be something in your life that glues your, you together, that holds you and balances you and disciplines you from falling into all these potholes of life. The deen is, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-mustaqim, straight path. That when you are going on the freeway right? you know that freeway is the straight path if you take highway 101 and you go south it's going to take you to la straight you don't need to go on any other road you don't need to go on any other path you don't need to take any other detour you just hit that freeway and you just keep going and it gets you to your destination that's sirat al-mustaqim unless there's traffic on your way you just keep going on that road, it doesn't matter. Even if you get a flat tire, you just stay on the side of the road, fix that tire, keep going. But the more very dangerous thing is, never ever allow yourself to come off of that road. Because when you get off of that road, and you take a detour, you start taking, imagine taking local roads to LA. What, what, what would your situation be without GPS? Right. You're trying to take local roads to get to LA. You take this road and then you take that road and you, you know, go on Paseo Padre and then you, you know, go on Fremont Boulevard and then you go on, you know. What's your situation going to be? You're never going to get to your destination cutting, and cutting corners. So understand that this deen is that, like, like that highway. When you hold on to it, it protects you and preserves you from all these other problems. And then what happens? It's not just one thing when you don't take that straight road. There's a lot of other things. You know, you run out of gas. You, fall, you go into bad neighborhoods. You could, you know, drive into the, in, in the middle of the ghetto. When you're on the freeway, you don't need to worry about any of that stuff. You could probably, on one, on one full tank, with one hit, get to L.A., you know, on a full tank and, you know, be there without, you know, depending on how you know what your gas mileage is but the point is is like on a normal car what will happen maybe on one tank you get to your destination but if you take these detours 
Your car could break down, you could lose your gas, you could get all into other, you could end up in a neighborhood you don't want to end up in. I got lost in Oakland, you know, because I, I, was, I was there almost every other day in the hospital because of my son. So I ended up in like, I was trying to take the, you know, in and outs, and I ended up somewhere straight up in the ghetto. And I just like, there's like liquor stores and there's like brothers walking around, you know, everywhere. And I'm like, man, I'm, I don't think I'm in the right place. I shouldn't have taken that, you know, out of just took a, a, a road trying to just figure it out on my own. And I ended up in a place that wasn't safe. And it's like, you know, 12 and, you know, 12 midnight. I'm not, not in a good place. You don't figure out life through trial and error. You don't figure out life through trial and error. You don't figure out life by continuously making mistakes. When you follow the deen and you follow the path and you follow Sirat al-Mustaqim, it saves you, it gives you the most success with the least amount of suffering. It gives you the most success with the least amount of suffering. It tells you, you know, don't put your finger in there. Because this is a danger, this is a hazard. If you put your finger in there, you're going to get electrocuted. He said, no, but I want to try it for myself. I want to feel what it feels like to get electrocuted. That's not the intelligent way of living life. You listen to that person. Oh, this person who told me this is a great blessing, that I have the knowledge that this is a hazard. I should not touch this because this is going to electrocute me. It could take my life right now, shorten my life. My point is, is that all of these matters in this book and all of the matters which is essential in our deen. What did the Prophet ﷺ tell us about the deen? He says, Allahumma aslih li deeni alladhi huwa ismatu amri. This dua of the Prophet ﷺ is amazing. It tells us what is deen? This deen, this path, this Islam that we're blessed with, what is it? He says, Oh Allah, bless me with this deen rectify my deen because my deen is the preservation of all my matters if your deen is preserved wallahi your marriage will be preserved i'm telling you something that when your deen is preserved it'll preserve your marriage it'll preserve your relationship it'll preserve you in your in your in, in your life in your uh, you know your relationship with people and your interaction with people. The Prophet called, what, what does he say about the deen? Allahumma aslih li deeni alladhi huwa ismatu amri. Oh Allah, preserve my deen. Oh Allah, rectify my deen. Because you know what? When my deen is rectified, then what will be rectified? Ismatu amri. It is the preservation of all my affairs. Ismatu amri, isma means preservation. Amri means my matters. All of your matters and all of the affairs of your life will come right if your deen comes right. Because the deen does not, does not leave you without this very important thing. That okay, how are you treating your parents? Allah will ask you, wait a minute, how are you treating your parents? Oh, now, okay, I'm, I'm have to, when I'm following deen, I have to, t I have to look, look at what my parents, what's the situation with my parents? Okay, I have to follow my deen. Oh, how are you treating your spouse? How are you treating your husband? How are you treating your wife? Oh, Allah, asks, Allah is going to ask me. Kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'ulun an ra'iyatihi. Look at what the Prophet ﷺ is saying. Every one of you is a shepherd. 
and all of you will be asked about his flock. A man will be asked about his household, and he is responsible for his flock. And a woman is responsible for the house of her husband. And the imam of a community, he is responsible. And Every single one of you will be asked by Allah about their flock. So now, when, when, when you're following deen, the true deen, not like, like I said last week, you're just holding on to one part of the elephant and saying, I'm, this is the elephant. I'm holding on to the ear, or I'm holding on to the leg, or I'm holding on to the tail, or I'm holding on to the snout, and I'm saying that this is no. The one who follows this deen, there's all these aspects to it. That's why I'm saying about this book, when we, when we talk about, you know, this 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi, in this collection, Imam al-Nawawi has brought all these different matters in front of us. Letting us know that this deen is a very vast, it's a vast, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, way, it's a path. And it has all these various different types of things, responsibilities, and rights, and regulations and hukuq and masail that we should be aware of and when we take all of these things into consideration what is it this is a subhanallah like a car a car one of its parts doesn't work right the whole car gets it's just a spark plug spark plug how big is a how big is a car how big is a spark plug i mean just just, just give me the give me the ratio spark plug is like this a car is like 2 tons you understand what I'm saying? Right. A spark plug, you could just put it in your pocket. And that one, that one little thing, the size of your finger, runs that thing that, that if that is messed up, if that's malfunctions, that thing that is two tons will not work. Imagine the deen. One, one spark plug of your deen doesn't work, your whole life gets messed up. Life is a very sensitive thing. This is a car. How more, much more complicated is a human being? How much more complicated is life? And sometimes, oh man, life is complicated. Nobody understands me, bro. Nobody understands you. Allah understands you. Allah created you. Follow the deen. Allah understands you. Allah knows you better than you know yourself. Right? The Tesla company, they know the car. They know what parts go in it. Right? They know. They know what's the, how they, 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 they manufactured it. Who manufactured this human being? Not Tesla, not Toyota, not Japan, not Germany, not Europe. You know, we're not a car. Allah is our creator. And where's the, where's the, 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 the manual? Where's the, where, where's the driver's manual of this human being? Every guy did everything. The Tesla got a driver's manual. The Corolla and the, and the, and the BMW, all of these cars, they got dri driver's manual. Where's the driver's manual of a human being? This is the Quran al-Kareem and the hadith of the Prophet the Quran is a human beings driving manual, user's manual. All the, right, what they call it, problem shooting, everything is, everything is in there. They tell you about all the problems and how you're going to fix it. So with that being said, brothers and sisters, here Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions in this dua, Allahumma aslih li deeni yalladhi huwa ismatu amri. Oh Allah, rectify my deen. Because when my deen comes right, everything of my life will come right. 
Look at it. You know, man, for almost, almost 20 years, I've been dealing with the issues of the community. Almost 20 years. And should I tell you one thing? The fundamental issue that I see, two things, two fundamental issues, is that people have problem with their akhlaq, with their character. They just don't have, they don't, they don't have prophetic character. They don't know what is akhlaq, what is character. And number two, it's lack of deen. These are the two things. It's either lack of deen or lack of akhlaq. The person who has akhlaq, he destroys his life because he doesn't have deen. And the one who has deen, he destroys his life because he doesn't have akhlaq. These two things, akhlaq means character. A guy prays five times a day. But his hand is not down from slapping and beating up his wife or cussing her or yelling at her, but he doesn't miss his five daily prayers. His deen is there, quote-unquote deen. I, I don't even want to call it deen because a person who's doing that, his deen is deficient. But I'm saying how it goes hand in hand. The issues and the problems that have come to me, I always say these two things. If the person is like trying to be a quote-unquote good Muslim and a good haji sahib and a good namazi sahib, and what happens, you know, he, he's, he, he's lacking in his akhlaq and in his character, and that destroys his life. And you see another person, he's a, really, a person of really, really good character, but he doesn't know the rules of divorce. Fir, 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 talaq, talaq, talaq. He just shoots it three times, and he doesn't even know three talaqs, divorces my wife. Aql nadara, he doesn't have the knowledge, il nadara. As deen khud mahrumas, he doesn't understand, he doesn't know the knowledge of the deen, and he destroys his own life. His akhlaq is there, a very good person. But he doesn't know anything about his deen, and he destroyed his life. So, brothers and sisters, my point in this matter is, the Prophet ﷺ, his words are so profound, if we actually think about it deeply, that what is deen actually? Why should I be focused? Why? And you know, a lot of us, especially in the immigrant community, I come from the Afghan community, and what I see in the Afghan community, like immigrants like me, our kids are first generation. They're born here, they're American. They don't know Afghanistan. I was born there. I know Afghanistan. I had an Afghan upbringing. My kids, like I, I'll speak Farsi to them and they'll reply to me in English. They're not proficient in that. They have some deen. You understand? But a lot of brothers that came from Afghanistan and they grew up here and they've been here for like 40 years. Now, their kids or their kids' kids you know what's happening to them? They got no deen. They don't know what they are. What is Allah? What is Rasul? What is God? What is Qiyamah? What is Judgment Day? What is... It doesn't have any whiff of what it, what it is. They have no understanding. And the parents think that this is okay. And what, 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 my, what my gham and what my fikr is... My, my, my pain for them, what I feel is they don't realize the mistake that they're making by leaving their kids without deen. They're like, well, I did, I did fine. I'm okay. I did great without deen. Oh, really? I don't think so. People that got the most problems, people that got the most drama, the most problems is a lot of people in our community. I know, I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of it. They want me to be the referee. I'm the ref, how am I not gonna know about the fight? 
How am I not going to be like there when somebody's going to get tapped out, right? That's where I'm at. I'm right there to try to stop the fight. That's where they call me. That's my job. How am I not, not, not going to know? So I know. And the major issue that, that our people have is they made a very, very big mistake to allow their kids to be okay to not have deen. One of our relatives said something very, very interesting. Dr. Sabira Goshko. You tell your kids that, oh, I don't want to go to school today, Dad. I don't believe in school anymore. Okay, no problem. Go to sleep. Very, very good. Yeah, you don't want to go to school today? You go to school. You're not going to go to school? You're going to see what I'm going to do. You tell them, why is that so important? Deen is not important. And you will see a lot of the issues that come. And a lot of the matters that come in life. The problems that come in life. Because what deen is, you know, the way that we've, the way that we've been taught and the way that we've been understood, there's just like this propaganda that religion and religious people are monsters, are scary, and we don't even want to go near it, you know, with a 10-foot pole, we don't want to go near anything that's the masjid, or anything that's deen, or anything that's Quran, we're afraid, but we don't realize, what we don't realize is, you know, the content, what is, what is, what is in this, why, 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 why what's, What's in this that I'm, I'm afraid of this so much? We don't sit and actually think about or ponder. We're so distracted by all the distractions. This is the biggest, this is the biggest tribulation of our time. The biggest tribulation of that this time, and you know what it is? Distraction. Distraction. Where you're not allowed to sit and quietly, without this musibat, this is called, my, my teacher used to call this musibat. Without sitting, sitting for an hour without this musibat and actually thinking, okay, what is my purpose on this earth? Why did Allah bring me here? What am I doing? What have I accomplished? What are my faults? What are my, how do I need to better myself? What have I gained? I've lived in this earth 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. Okay, in this 50, 40, 30, 20 years that I lived, what did I accomplish? What did I do? Who am I? Who am I really? We're making a big mistake when we leave our kids without having any objective or aim or spirituality. Listen, a very important thing. That you have a mind. The mind has created to understand certain things. You have physical. You have a taste, touch, smell feel, right? These senses have been created to do one, it's a, it's, these are faculties. This has been created for one specific thing. The mind has been created for other things. But then there is something, the soul inside of you has been created to think and to understand things that your mind cannot think. Your ruh has been created to understand something that your mind cannot understand. Just like if I were to, I want to read this book, right? What do I do? You don't smell, you read and you understand what your mind. Your mind has been created to understand letters, 
your nose and your ability to smell has been created so you right attain knowledge from this is burning or this is very hot or this is very sweet or this is very good or this is rotten or bad right this is a, a means a faculty to gain knowledge but then you have something else and this is what people are neglecting you have inside of you a soul this soul is what understands that which the mind cannot understand and that which the senses cannot understand. And everybody, every human being has that. And that is within your soul. Happiness and sadness, this is where the happiness and joy and fulfillment and contentment. Now let me tell you something. If you sit there and you have a nice kebab in front of you, okay, your, your stomach is your body, right? Physical. And your nose is your senses. So your mind, body, and spirit, right? So you put a nice, you know, cooked kebab there. And keep smelling it. Is it going to fill your stomach? It's never going to fill your stomach. It might give you some satisfaction. It might make you feel good. But smelling that kebab is not going to fill the stomach. Because the stomach has to be filled in the physical way. Not in the way of senses, but in the way of physical nourishment. You understand that? Now, understand this. Your soul needs the food. The food of your soul is not by buying something. Or eating something. Or, you know, dressing in a specific way. Or getting yourself material things. Your soul now has its own nourishment. Just like the stomach, if you smell, the stomach is not going to become full. Do you see what I mean? Or if you look at something, by looking at food, your stomach doesn't get full. You have to eat the food. Similarly, the, the, the human, every human being, you have a soul inside of your body. That soul will not be satisfied by anything except that which is the food for the soul. Now I ask of you, what is the food of the soul? What nourishes the soul? What feeds the soul? What gratifies the soul? Is it, for example, sexual pleasure? Is it physical pleasure? Is it eating a lot? Is it having a lot of money? Is it earning a lot of things? Is it having a lot of objects? Is that something that is going to gratify the soul? That's exactly like, you know, smelling kebab in order to fill your stomach. So everybody wants happiness and they want peace of mind and contentment of heart. But, but the way that they are seeking that peace of mind and contentment of heart is in a way that it's just like smelling kebab in order to fill the stomach. They're smelling all these kebabs. They want to make, ha make themselves happy by buying things, by accumulating things, by material, by getting this nice car, by, you know, gratifying uh, 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 my sexual pleasures, by being with whoever I want to be. And now it's a, it's a different type of uh, 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 gratification. What is that? The gratification of something that I have in my mind. Listen to this. This is another fitna of our time. In my mind, I want to be happy. Right? In my mind, I want to be happy. I want people to praise me. I want people to say good things about me. I feel a certain way. I feel a certain way. So what do you do? You gratify yourself 
by, you know, how you feel. So at any given time, my happiness is dependent upon making myself feel happy at that particular moment. So I have an ego, or I have a devil inside, or I have a, a, a need inside, and whatever makes me feel good at that particular moment, that is my identity. I identify, and I feel gratified, and I feel fulfilled at that moment, making myself happy with what I feel. And this is where this gender confusion comes from, is that at this moment, I don't feel like a man. I actually feel like a woman. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to act like a woman and dress like a woman and think that I'm a woman and you know, do all these other different types of things because at that moment, my identity is gratifying my, what I feel. Gratifying, literally feeding my nafs. That has become my identity. Identity now in this day and age actually has become that at that moment, what I feel and what gratifies me, that is my identity. And that's what basically says who I, who I am, is what gratifies my nafs at that particular moment. Tomorrow, what gratifies me might be something else. And then at that time, that will be my identity. My identity is not like, it's no longer like I'm a man or I'm a woman or I'm a Muslim or I'm a human being, none of that. My identity is what I I'm, I, what I feel, what gratifies me, what makes me feel extremely happy, that's who I am. Oh, brother, oh, sister, or whatever you call yourself, listen to me, that what makes you feel good is not your identity. You could, what you feel or what you don't feel has nothing to do with what the reality of the situation is. And this is the problem that we're, 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 we're suffering from, is that, what makes us feel good or doesn't make us feel good identifies us. Whereas the world doesn't care about how you feel or how you don't feel. The deen doesn't care about how you feel or how you don't feel. And reality does not care about how you feel or don't feel. This is the world. This is dunya. This is reality. It does not care about your feelings or what you think you are at that particular moment. It's what is really the situation. What am I doing? What am I doing and what is the fact? What is reality? It's not what I have conjured up in my mind, this imagination that gratifies me at any given moment. Anyways, I don't want to go off topic. All of this confusion and all of this you know, lack of you know, direction and lack of guidance, right? it comes from abandoning the deen. Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala did not make us confused. We have very, very clear guidance in the Quran and in the Sunnah. We're blessed to have this. Because when you don't have this, right, you start becoming, you know, you start making your way or your way of thinking, all of these things that you're surrounded by, all of these confusions that you're surrounded by, you start adopting that, that this is my, you know, what I believe and this is what, no, we, what we believe is very clear cut. It's very straightforward. And it's very, very definitive, mashallah. There's no ambiguity in it. The night of it is like the day of it. There's no ambiguity in it. It's very, very clear. And anything that is kind of like what, you, what we say, like in between, right? That is where we go to the scholars, and that is where we get guidance, and that is where we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But with that being said, everything that a human being needs for their success in this life and in the hereafter, 
for their guidance in this life and in the hereafter is in the deen. So I don't want to go uh, you know, off of on, on a tangent. I just wanted to establish this, that this kitab, this compilation and collection of the 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi is as if Imam Nawawi is saying as if this is the entire deen. If you implement this, right, this is going to give you balance in life. It's going to give you an understanding into all different aspects of this way of life that has in it justice, that has in it mercy, that has in it generosity and compassion, that has in it the truth, that has in it guidance, that has in it cl clear clarity in which there is no confusion. And this is the greatest thing that a person can have. As I mentioned many times previously, the person who's lost in the middle of a jungle, the greatest thing that he can have is a guide and guidance. The person who is in darkness, the greatest thing for a person who's sitting in darkness is what is light. That a person should have light to come out of that darkness. And this is what it is. The Quran and the Hadith is our guide in this darkness and it is our light. So with that being said, this Hadith number 33 is a, is a, is a principle of the deen in which the Prophet ﷺ mentions as narrated by Ibn Abbas anhuma, that لَوْ يُعْطَنَّاسُ بِدَعْوَاهُمْ that if people were, be, were to be given based on their claims, like anybody would just come right now and make a claim. That, that uh, tablet right there, actually, uh, it belongs to me. I just made a claim. That tablet, actually, it doesn't belong to you. It actually belongs to me. You stole that from me. I just made a claim in front of a public. That phone right there that's in front of you, Dr. Saab, that phone actually looks like my phone. That belongs to me. Everybody could just make any claim that they want. Because Allah Azza wa mentions in the Quran, that the soul is constantly being faced with greed. We're constantly in situations by which we're dealing with that desire and greed. We also we look at somebody, hey, that, that guy has a pretty nice watch, you know? And then now the nafs greeds towards something. And a person who doesn't have self-control, a person who doesn't have guidance, they will try to the best. And then this is what we see all the issues that are going on in the world. Somebody's getting jacked and somebody's getting robbed and cars are getting broken into and people just want things. People just want to have things and they, they don't want to work for it. And they want to take other people's things. So this is the way the world works. There's greed, there's envy, there's jealousy, there's pride. There's all of these things. There's hubbud dunya. And it mentions here, That if people were to be given whatever they want, whatever they claim, then men and people would come and they would claim literally anything. This is my great-grandfather's land. And this is what's happening right now in our, in our thing. Everybody comes and they making their claim from, you know, great-grandpa owns something. Who, who, who on earth is your great-grandpa? And then right, there's bribery and there's cheating and then there's lying and then there's fake, you know, this and fake that and rishwat and, and you know, all this stuff that works into it because people want to claim things that don't belong to them. People want to go sue people for, and this is subhanAllah, all of these things have been mentioned in the Quran. Look at this, is a very worldly, transaction-based advice of the Prophet. That if people were to be given whatever they want, just because of they made a claim, I go to make a claim. 
recently, you know, an actor and actress, they were in court. Oh, it was all over the news, right? That this actress said, my husband beat me up. My husband tortured me. It was so many years of torture and suffering. Nobody knows what I was going through. And she's like a big sob story. If people were to be given, whatever they say. He is just one whole bag of stories she's throwing out. If, if every single claim would be taken, then what would happen? Then people would came, claim the wealth and the lives of other people. The mal and the wealth and the lives of people would be destroyed if that would be the case. However, there is a system. This is the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَكِنَّ الْبَيِّنَةُ عَلَى الْمُدَّعِي وَالْيَمِينُ عَلَى مَنْ أَنْكَرَ However, the proof, the burden of proof lies on the one who is right, making the claim. The burden of proof lies on the one who is making a claim. وَالْيَمِينُ عَلَى مَنْ أَنْكَرَ An oath must be taken by the one who is the defendant. Here the Prophet ﷺ, subhanAllah, look at the justice of Islam and look at the deen of Islam and look at the balance of our religion, subhanAllah. That the Prophet ﷺ said, nobody can just come out there, make a claim and start defaming people or claiming the mal of somebody, claiming the wealth of somebody, destroying the life of somebody or destroying the property of somebody. What you have to do? Right? The burden of proof lies upon the one who is the claimant. And the oath must be taken by the defendant. In other words, right, a claimant comes and he says, This you know, tablet it belongs to me. This is mine. Okay, so you go to court. Okay, what's your proof that this is mine? Okay, here, see, I have a receipt. I bought this from this place or that place. Okay, what do you say about it? Oh, I, you know, I don't know. So you have to bring proof against. And oath must be taken from the one who denies. So when the proof is, is given, and then a person will not then, right, uh, give any response to that, then that, will, th that, that claim will be uh, acceptable in a court of law and it will be, right, that will be justice. Now, if this is the, such a, 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 a usul and the rule of the sharia, that if this was this not the case, what did the Prophet ﷺ say? That if we were to give, and there would be no law such as this, you have, we have laws, we have court. You can't just go and claim something. You want to claim something? You have to have proof to make any da'wah. And if that's the case, then the person who is the one who is the defendant, who's saying, no, I don't, then he has to take, take the oath. And this is the way that this matter in the sharia is re resolved. And we see in this, subhanAllah, the justice of Islam and the beauty of Islam and this, you know, uh, system that if it wasn't in, the, it, this was not the case, right, what would be the condition and the situation of people? So we see, subhanAllah, in this hadith, right, that from every particular uh, aspect, every aspect is even covered in our deen, even the transactional aspects of it.
So that was hadith number 33. Hadith number 34, Abu Sa'id Khudri radiallahu anhu narrates that he heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, Man ra'a minkum munkaran Any one of you who sees an evil, a munkar being committed, then let him change it with his hand. And if he is not capable of that, then let him do it with his tongue. If he is not capable of that, then let him change it with his heart. And this is the weakest level of Iman. And this hadith is narrated in Sahih Muslim. We see another aspect now, another usul. Another, these, every single one of these hadith is a principle and an usul. Shaykh, assalamu alaikum. Tafadlat, Shaykh, please. Every single hadith from these, this, this collection, as I mentioned previously, is a principle in the deen. We hear many people saying this, that, brother, uh, just mind your own business. Your religious matters, it's something that it's your personal issue, it has nothing to do with me. Or like many people, like I was saying, you know, even fathers and parents, unfortunately, you know, immigrant parents that came here, and I mentioned before, they're making, a, they're making a huge mistake that they say, it's none of my business, what path my child chooses? I let him choose whatever path he, he wants to choose, that's, that's his prerogative. What does that have to do with me? I don't care what my brother does, and I don't care what my son does, and I don't care what my daughter does, that's their prerogative. But my dear brothers and sisters, this, this concept, this is a misconception. Because in our deen, this is a principle. Remember, every hadith from the collection of Imam al-Nawawi is actually a usul in the deen. Look at each hadith, not just as a hadith, but as one of the qawaid, one of the very necessary fundamental principles of our deen. That the deen actually stands on these fundamental principles. If you look at each hadith like that, subhanAllah, this compilation is amazing. It's basically all of the fundamental principles in our religion. So what is this fundamental principle if we look at it from that perspective? If we look at it from that light? That in Islam we have something which is called Amr bil ma'roof wa nahyan al munkar. This is a concept in our sharia. This is a concept in our religion. A concept that does not allow us to just leave any people however we want to leave them. Neither our close ones nor our, those who are far, nor those who are neighbors, anyone who we, who we have a, some type of interaction with, they have a haq upon us that we should wish well for them. And this hadith is also, it correlates with another hadith, ad-deenun nasiha. Deen is well-wishing for others. A lot of people don't understand amr bil maruf wa nahiyan al-munkar. That's why they feel, oh, you know, he's monwi, just like trying to just, you know, get the people and do this and do that and halal, haram police, right? This is what, this is the wrong understanding. Amr bil maruf wa nahiyan al-munkar is not halal, haram police. Amr bil maruf wa nahiyan al-munkar is ad-deen al-nasiha. It's well-wishing. It's, 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 it's your attitude. It's your hamdardi. It's your gham, it's your concern for your fellow human being. How can you, if you see somebody walking towards a, a, uh, a hole, 
you know. And they're about to fall. And said, I don't care, it's none of my business, let them fall inside that hole. This is a lack of compassion. It's a lack of, of, of empathy that a person should not care that somebody else should fall in a hole. I don't care, let them fall inside that hole. So when you care, right, we know that this, is, this person lacks empathy. Such a careless person. Such a, you know, uh, 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 this person lacks empathy. When we say that, I don't care if somebody dies, or I don't care if somebody falls inside of a hole. When you don't care about that, what do people, logically, people, okay, we're not talking from the religious perspective, from a logical perspective, from a dunya perspective, from a worldly perspective, not caring about somebody who's going to hurt themselves, or somebody, you know, a cat is about to get, you know, run over by a car, or a human being is about to get run over by a car, and you tell them, hey, a car is coming. Or you, you, know, you push them out of the way. This shows that this person is a human being. He has empathy. So how then can we not have a moral concern for other human beings? This, this is the meaning of Amr bin Maruf and Munkar. Amr bin Maruf and Munkar doesn't mean zajr and you know, tawbih and you know, put down and humiliation. This is not what it means. This righteous, you know, holier than thou attitude that, oh, you should be doing this. Because I do this and I'm a very holy person. This is not the meaning of Amr bin Maruf Wanin. Amr bin Maruf Wanin in Munkar is wishing well for humanity. Just like you know that this is good. I want this hidayah for all of humanity. I don't want anyone from Ummatul Da'wah or Ummatul Ijabah, you know, from any of the human beings that are on this earth to go to the fire of Jahannam. I don't want anyone from the human beings of this earth to, you know, suffer confusion, misguidance, deviation. Look at how much people are suffering. So much, how much people are, are in confusion. And the cure and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, uh, 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 the solution to all of that is in our deen. But as somebody said, you know, we're holding that cup of water, we're not drinking it ourselves, and we're not giving it to others to drink. All of this confusion that is, you know, these gender roles and, you know, all of this, you know, LGBT confusion and all these things that are happening. Wallahi, all of the solution in that is in our deen. Alhamdulillah, we're not confused. You will never become, Hazrat Mawlana Abra al-Haqsab, the way he would translate, Lantadillu, Tum hargiz hairanu pareshan nahi honge. Lantadillu. You will never be confused or lost. People are confused. People are lost. And what they are doing, there's like a, a, a society and, 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 and this kind of like, it's becoming like a, a trend of confusion that's becoming in contagious. It's a contagious confusion that people are adopting. However, subhanAllah, brothers and sisters, Muslims should not fall into this. We have wahi. We have the nur of wahi. We have the guidance of wahi. In which, as Hazrat Mu'abr al-Haqsab is mentioning, You'll never become confused. You'll never become lost. You'll never become worried if you have this. Nothing will be a confusion for you. And when you see that, as in, there was a, you know, uh, it was mentioned that... Um, as the Prophet mentioned, those of you who live after me, you're going to see a lot of confusions. 
You're going to see a lot of differences. You're going to have a lot of confusions. فَعَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِي Follow my sunnah because there's no confusion in that. There's every, every, uh, uh, every confusion when it comes in front of you. Subhanallah. When you have the nur of the Quran and you have the light of guidance and the light of revelation, it becomes very, very clear. When you have the light, any cockroach or any snake or any rodent that comes and you have the light, you quickly notice it. But when there's darkness, when there's not enough light, that cockroach, that rodent, that whatever can come and you won't even notice that it's there. That is why the brighter we keep and we, you know, sitting in the company of the, you know, uh, those in these gatherings of, of, of knowledge and the halaqat of ilm, continuing to increase that light, automatically all the darknesses and the confusions of this day and age will manifest itself. Automatically. When you turn on the light, you know, all the roaches automatically just go into their holes and disappear. So we have to understand that the meaning of Amr bil ma'roof wa enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. This is a matter in our deen. It is a principle in our deen. It is inseparable. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the believers, what did He say? Wal mu'minuna wal mu'minatu ba'duhum awliya'u ba'd ya'muruna bil ma'roof wa yanhawna anil munkar. Allahu Akbar. Allah, even in the description and the ta'rif of the mu'minun, the ta'rif, the, 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 the description, defining who are the believing men and women in their definition they are people who have concern to guide others to good and to enjoin good and to forbid the evil this is the this is in their definition so in other words that a believer if he does not have this in him there is a naqs there is a naqs there is an imperfection in his in his uh, in, in 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 him there is an imperfection in the believer, the one who does not have Amr bil Maruf wa Nahayan in Munkar in them. It mentions here what is Munkar? Enjoining the good, Amr bil Maruf, and Nahi anin Munkar. Munkar ma ankarahu sharu, wa karihahu wa lam yardabihi. Munkar is that which the Sharia does not approve of and it is not pleased with. And all of those things that are forbidden and all of those things that are disliked. And this is the command of the Prophet said, Minkum. But in this Minkum, right, this is not just. Any one of you, and the Prophet was talking with the Sahaba, so the Mukhatab was obviously the companions. So the Shurah, they explain, Al Khitabu lil Umma This is for all of the Ummah, not because the Prophet was speaking okay to the Sahaba at that moment, but this was for in the entire Ummah of the Prophet. That if any one of you sees an evil, sees a wrong, then what is your obligation? We have an obligation as human beings. And another thing, brothers and sisters, to understand here at this ayah of the Qur'an. لِقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَىٰ كُنْتُمْ خَيْرَ أُمَّةٍ أُخْرِجَتْ لِلنَّاسِ You are the best ummah that has been taken out for the benefit of humanity. Why? تَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَتَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ You enjoin the good and you forbid the evil and you believe in Allah. There's another 
very, very essential point to take into consideration. This ayah teaches us that the Muslims and the believers, they should be on a higher level of morality, a higher standard of morality. This does not mean that, oh, uh, a believer should go out and tabligh. This is what this means. This ayah, this means that, okay, just go out and tabligh. No. Ya'muruna bil ma'ruf wa yanhawna anil munkar is a very, it's, it's holding yourself at a high moral standard. It's not just a matter of like, okay, I'm going to go and this. Yes, that's a, that's a beautiful step. That's a beautiful path. This is where we work upon ourselves to attain. This is one of the steps to attain that. Right? We're not criticizing any of that. But one of the things that This ayah, it consists of much more than that. Right? That in all of those things, somebody was asking me, Shaykh, should Muslims be involved in this, that, and other? They were talking about something like, uh, you know, matters of like, you know, it was something regarding pollution or something regarding plastic. And, you know, we see so much plastic and plastic is, plastic is destroying the earth and this and that. And they were saying all of this. What should Muslims, you know, stance be? I said, Muslims must be involved in that more than anybody else. We have to have a higher moral ground in, in every aspect. So it's not just a matter of, you know, um, the every mundane things of this world, but everything, right? We see people, they care so much about like, you know, uh, you know people shouldn't be tortured when they're, uh, you know, these workers, if workers are being paid, you know, pennies in these countries and then, you know, we're getting chocolate and coffee and these type of things and these farms that people are getting like, you know, paid, you know, two pennies a day and all this type of thing. And you have like, you know, fair trade companies that are, you know, have a higher moral, you know, concern for people that are getting paid low wages in these third world countries. And so you people care a lot or about animals or about anything else that or about the environment. Yes, Muslims should have. Somebody asked me about that. I said, this is kuntum khayra ummatin ukhrijat nas includes that. It consists of that. If you don't have that, you, you're on a lower moral level than non-Muslims. How can that be? That they see, they're concerned about something and you're not concerned about it. They're concerned about the welfare of other human beings and you're not concerned about the welfare of other human beings. They're concerned about the environment and you're not concerned about the environment, you're polluting and you're throwing garbage on the street, you're not khayru ummah then. You're sharru ummah, destroying the earth. So my point is, whether you're involved or not involved, that's a different issue. You should feel concern at least. And if there's somebody says, aha, that's not for us, those are tree huggers. You know, those are this, that, and they're that. And you look, you down, down upon that, then you're not, have, you don't have concern for humanity. You don't have a deen nasiha You don't have a well-wishing for all of the world and all of humanity. And in this, he says, the istita'a, man, any one of you who sees uh, munkar, an evil being done, then let, let him change it actively with his hand. And if he does not have the capacity to do that, then let him do it with his tongue. And if he does not have the capacity to do that, then let him change it in his heart. And he hate it in his heart and make dua in his heart. And that is the weakest level of Iman. Imam Abu Hanifa, from a fiqhi perspective, he says, this is, a, okay, this is an obligation. The Prophet says, you must do this. So to what level is this an obligation? So if I see something that is happening, I have to go and I have to stop it with my hand. 
Is it wajib? And if I don't do it, then I am being neglecting an obligation. Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah explains, Al-amru bil-ma'roof wa nahyanin munkar bil-yad mawkulun ila al-umara wal-wulat li-qudratihim. First point to understand that this matter of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. Somebody is drinking. Do you go with your hand or with a baseball bat and just hit the bottle, you know, out of the guy's hand? Or kick the guy, you know, or, you know, put him in a, in a you know, in a, in a, in a, in a rear naked choke, you know? So, like, what is this? Who's, whose matter is this? He says, no, this is not just anybody's matter. This amr bil ma'roof to stop something with your hand, or break, you know, somebody's bottle, you know, break somebody's alcohol or something like that. This is not the matter of anybody. It's the matter, matter of mawkulun ila al-umara'i wal-wulat. It's a matter of the people who are in charge and the umara, the amir, and the person who is in charge by the khalifa, the person who is in charge by the government. Otherwise, anybody just go and just, you know, break somebody's this and break somebody's that, what's the condition going to be? Because they are the ones who had the qudra. وَلَيْسَ لِغَيْرِهِمْ إِلَّا بِاللِّسَانِ And nobody else has this qudra to actually go away and take away something from somebody. Everything else for everyone else would be by the tongue. Hey brother, you know what you're doing, this is not correct. You don't go and like smash somebody's, you know, phone or smash somebody's uh, property or anything like that. And in some of the books of fiqh, it says, إِنَّ الْأَمْرَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَنَهْيَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ بِالْيَدْ عَلَى الْأُمَرَاءِ وَبِالْلِسَانِ عَلَى الْعُلَمَاءِ وَبِالْقَلْبِ عَلَى الْعَوَامِ He said the matter of the wujub and the obligation of enjoining the good and forbidding of the evil with the hand, this is for those who are the leaders to actually go and like arrest someone. You can't go and arrest anybody, right? And with the tongue, this is the job of the ulama. And with the heart, this is the job of the general public. Why? Because, you know, if you're going to entrust just a random person, he's not an alim, and he goes around and he's just correcting everybody. He's going to, you know, uh, do some damage as well. He's going to make some people annoyed as well. He's going to do some damage as well. Somebody sees an alim telling them something, also there's a certain level of authority that people have for that. They say, okay, this person, he's the imam or he's an alim or he has some authority, you know, I, I respect that. And just a random person comes and he tells somebody something, you know, first and foremost, he might not even know that that is the appropriate place to say. Sometimes people in the middle of Ramadan, somebody's eating. And he wants to do Nahiyan in Munkar. So he goes and he's just smacking him and he said, hey, you know, I'm sick. I'm, I, you know, I have excuse. I am a diabetic. You don't just go and smack anybody in the middle of it. It's not even your job to do that. How do you know that that person is sick? Or, you know, some sister, she's going into a restaurant. Astaghfirullah, sister. It's the month of Ramadan. See, I saw her. She was in that restaurant and she was eating food. How do you know? She's excused. That's the time of her excuse. She wants to go eat food. It's not, it's not fard upon her to fast in that time. So a random person who does not have the ilm, he's going and he's correcting everybody. What is he going to do? He's going to maybe do some harm. And for the awam to consider something to be wrong in their heart. But this is a general, it's like a fiqhi uh, a point that is mentioned about the obligation. That there is an obligation that you have to fulfill. And if you don't, you will be asked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the general obligation. But as the ulama explain, يُشِيرُ إِلَىٰ ذَلِكَ مَا فِي نَفْسِ الْحَدِيثِ مِنْ قَيْدِ الْإِسْتِطَاعَةِ وَيَدُلُّ عَلَيْهِ قوله تعالى 
right? As it mentioned in the ayat of the Quran that Allah Ta'ala does not you know, burden somebody more than their capacity. So if you don't have capacity to stop somebody, it's not binding upon you. You don't have that capacity to stop someone or to teach someone or to you know, advise someone. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have the capacity. It's not then binding upon you because you don't have the istita'ah. فَمَنْ وَجَبَ عَلَيْهِ وَفَعَلَهُ وَلَمْ يَمْتَثِلِ الْمُخَاطَبِ فَلَا أَتْبَعَ عَلَيْهِ بَعْدَ ذَلِكِ And the person who it's binding upon me, as a person who is an imam, it's binding upon me, I have to go and tell somebody, like, hey, you know, this thing you're doing is wrong. And that person does not obey, and that person doesn't listen, then there is no sin upon you. لِعَدَمِ تَقْسِيرِهِ هُنَالِكَ هَيْثُ أَدَّ مَا عَلَيْهِ وَمَا عَلَيْهِ he has fulfilled his obligation. Allah yaqbala minhu. Wa ma ala rasuli illa al-balaq. Kama qala Allah ta'ala, wa ma ala rasuli illa al-balaq. It is not the responsibility of the Prophet except to convey. Lakin, innama yajibu bisharti an yakuna shakhsu aliman bima ya'muru bihi. However, he says, look, when we say that the amr bil ma'ruf wa anil munkar is an obligation for the ulama, it means that you should be alim of what you are conveying, alim of knowing what is right and what is wrong. So otherwise, if you give it like that, then nobody should be giving any advice. Like I know prayer is something that should be done. I know that this alcohol is not a, the, the right thing. I am a knower of that. So if you are the knower of that, it's saying that you, the, 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 the shart, the condition is that you should be a knower of that. Otherwise, then if you look at, then... Uh, it's only for the ulama. Nobody, everybody else should shut up and not say anything. If that's the, what this means, then basically there is no ad advice and there is no admonition for no one. But the point here is, is that you should know that this particular thing is not permissible or this particular thing is, must be done. And it is an obligation. إِنَّمَا يَجِبُ بِشَرْطِ أَنْ يَكُونَ الشَّخْصُ عَالِمًا بِمَا يَأْمُرُ بِهِ وَأَنْ يَبْتَدِئَ بِالرِّفْقِ وَالْلِينِ Mullah Qari says that he should be a knower of that this is supposed to be done or this is forbidden. And the condition is that he should start by telling this person with kindness and with gentleness. And then slowly, slowly working up, but always starting with kindness. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Call to the way of your Lord with wisdom and with kind advice. And a beautiful advice that was given by one of the scholars, he said, the simple way of tabliq and the simple way of admonition is admonish somebody the same way that you would want to be admonished. If you did something wrong, how would you want somebody to correct you? Just think about that. If you were doing something bad, and you were on the wrong path, and you were making a mistake, how would you want somebody to correct you in your mistake? How would you want somebody to guide you and admonish you? That is the way that you should guide and admonish others. So he says that ad-deenun nasiha, deen is well-wishing. And nasiha comes from nasaha. Nasaha means to mend something. That when you're advising somebody, you're mending that condition. You're mending the broken aspect of that person. He said, Nasiha is not Fadiha. 
Nasiha should not be fadiha. Fadiha means you're exposing somebody and you're humiliating somebody. That's not what advice should be, where you humiliate somebody. And he says, Man sirran nasahahu wazanahu. Anyone who advises his brother in solitude and in seclusion, then he has actually admonished him and benefited him. And anybody who admonishes him in front of people, hey, you dummy, you shouldn't sit like that. How are you sitting? And somebody saying something like that? That's, that's not nasiha, that's fadiha, that's humiliation. And the Islam has not taught us to humiliate anybody. So there, actually, these are, inshallah, guidelines. How do we enjoin the good and forbid the evil? Our time is up, inshallah, we'll continue with this next week. May Allah give us a tawfiq to understand what has been said. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين. Generally, it's the job of the scholar. It should be. Generally, it's the job of the scholar. And for other people, right, in matters which they they know, with these conditions. Now we're going to read the conditions that you know that this thing is supposed to be done. This is that generally it's supposed to be. These are the people who it's wajib on them. It's their obligation. It's their farida, right? But other people, right, in that particular thing that you know, there are conditions that if you're going to do it, you should be knowledgeable of that, what you are talking about. And then in the way that you are mentioning it, there are certain conditions. You have to fulfill those conditions. That it has to be with kindness. It has to be with nasiha. It should not be, you know, openly. You're making a, em, em, that person embarrassed in front of everybody, humiliating them. You take them to the side. And you sit with them, you know, and you tell them, brother, you know, I seen you doing this. Mashallah, you're such a good person, and this is the way that it should be done. So there's conditions now. There's conditions for the ulama as well. But the, the job of the ulama, this is their job. Amr bil ma'ruf wa nahiyan munkar. If you ask, what is the job of ulama? This is their job. This is their, their business. This is their work. This is their life. But for other people, right, you know, there are conditions, right? There is things that, you know, you do it, but you do it with, you know, only what you know, don't talk about what you don't know. Only what you know, and doing that with all the appropriate conditions and respect and kindness and softness and so on. Never by force. Never by force. As we mentioned, it's not, uh, it's not supposed to be done. The authorities, it, like it said, depends from person to person. It depends from person to person. And we're going to be discussing that as well. If the force is needed, it should be done by force. You know, a person who's committing a crime, the police doesn't say, excuse me, can you please stop stealing that? You're not going to say please to a thief. You know, so every situation has, you know, even they have to know the proper way of doing that. They have to be trained. <laughs>